Alexander. Shabbat for three. Bingo! Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. He is hard to believe. Here's Jordan. What's going on, guys? Welcome to Dime Dropper 24 Minute Recaps, episode number 14. Before we get started, make sure to subscribe on all platforms YouTube at Dime Dropper Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, and of course, to follow us on social media at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Dime Dropper Pod. So, today's recap will likely be under 24 minutes. I'm going to keep it a little shorter because we didn't have as many games to talk about. So let's talk about the one that just uh, finished off. And that was the Lakers getting their second consecutive win against the Houston Rockets tonight in Houston. Or second consecutive win against the Rockets. Was that the second consecutive win? Was it the Blazers before that? Nah, I'm forgetting at this point. It's all blending in. But the Lakers finishing winners 117-100. It was Men against boys, if I'm being honest, from the beginning, the Lakers were just all over them on defense from every single starter. Gasol. Let's talk about the first thing I noticed. James Harden, allergic to mid-range jumpers. I thought maybe with Dan, without D'Antoni that would change. But you know what? James Harden, he doesn't even deserve me to talk about him right now because of the way he's... This team, he's not putting in any effort at all. He doesn't care. He doesn't want to be there, so we're not even going to talk about him. He might as well have just forfeited tonight. The rest of the team, John Wall, you know, a big fan of John Wall. I have his Washington Wizards shirt upstairs. You know, he didn't look like he even wanted to drive today. I don't know if that's because he's, this was my second time watching him. Obviously, the first one was against the Lakers too because the Rockets haven't played any dime dropper teams and he looks like he's afraid to drive maybe because his injury. He just doesn't, like, if John Wall's just going to be a jump shooter, then he's not going to be a good player in this league because that's never what he was good at. Anyway. The Lakers, though, what well, Anthony Davis was in full effect tonight defensively, protecting the rim. So, yeah, when I saw James Harden getting into that mid-range or coming off screens and the Lakers late switched it with Gasol on him because he doesn't want to take the mid-range. They're, the Lakers are giving him the mid-range and they know he's not going to take it. So he just does it and he tries to go in on Gasol and Gasol is very solid at, you know, just using his body, staying vertical and taking hits and just kind of, you know, making his body big, making himself big, I should say. And in the beginning, that's what was happening with James. And then AD was just getting his hands everywhere. You know, LeBron was making literally everything. He's he's really started to perfect that right turnaround. I'm sorry, turnaround over the right shoulder, which once again, what do I talk about all the time here, guys? Turnarounds, especially over both shoulders. LeBron doesn't really have that, but he has so much other shit that doesn't really matter. That right turnaround is already doing wonders for his game. And you know what? In my opinion, LeBron's been the best player in the league this season for any team. I just think he's been the best player because, I don't know, I feel like he's kind of just, no offense to the league, you guys are going to think I'm hating on LeBron by saying this, but I feel like maybe it's just because of the teams he's playing right now. But in the games he's played, he has seemed so far ahead, like mentally and strength and skillfully of every team he's played. I don't know if that's, because, I mean, obviously LeBron is, you know, the best player in the NBA and whatnot, but it seems like he's just on a different stratosphere than the teams that he's played against so far. Like, they're just dumb. Like, they're just not very good. You know, except for the teams that have beaten them, of course. But yeah, I don't know. It's just, 
it's 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 looking too easy for him at this point. You know, he even had a little Steph Curry moment in the corner there. I thought LeBron was just in in cruise control tonight. Listen to this: twenty six points, eight boards. His assist to turnover ratio wasn't very good though. Five assists and five turnovers, but the turnovers were so meaningless. They were just so ahead. Didn't really matter. 10 of 20 from the field and four of nine. Also, I don't know why he came back into the game. That was very stat pad kind of like I'm questioning that a bit, but you know, all that matters is the W, which the Lakers got. I thought Dennis Schroeder was so good today, defensively, especially like there was a time where Harden was trying to take him off the dribble and literally no hand check, no nothing, just sliding his feet. Dennis Schroeder was like made him pick up his dribble. And I was like, wow, like when you're making James Harden pick up his drill without touching him that's incredible to me like for any player so Dennis Schroeder was awesome today for the Lakers 14 points six of nine and two of two from three that is not you know it doesn't get much better uh than that if you're a Laker fan for Dennis on in a game like this when he's only playing 25 minutes I thought KCP was fantastic on both ends making plays getting out and running hitting his open corner threes and you know we got to give a a moment of of love for KCP because this guy came to LA and he was like one of the most, you know, and rightfully so, you know, shat on Lakers. He had horrible shot selection, just a dumb basketball player. And actually, I think LeBron did a good job of putting him in a box. I always talk about LeBron sometimes will do too much, but with the Lakers, honestly, since Vogel has arrived, LeBron's been honestly the best leadership version of LeBron James that we've seen in 18 years, in my opinion, because he's been very good at not doing too much and just picking his spots. And Dennis Schroeder has been, you know, able to thrive alongside him, especially because when LeBron comes out, he really runs that second unit, which is like Rondo did that in the in the playoffs. But in the regular season, as you can see right now with Atlanta, he doesn't he's like a non-entity in the regular season, Rondo. You you can't rely on him at all. And Dennis Schroeder's been a breath of fresh air in this regular season for the Lakers, you know, to come when LeBron goes out of the game to give him that, you know, ball handling and ability to play pick and roll and not totally plummet. So AD also offensively, very easy, getting his buckets mostly around the rim. He only shot one three, seven of eight, 19 points. Yet again, when AD shooting less threes, the Lakers win. I think that's a, is that not, is that a coincidence? No. Everybody was good for the Lakers, honestly. Kuzma, four of six, 11 points. Montrader, 14. He's, he's, you know, kept hitting that mid-range jumper, which is, you know, something he only did once in a blue moon with the Clips, so... That's a good sign for the Laker fans. Uh, you know what? Despite his stat line tonight, because I think most of these missed shots came in garbage time, it was one, he had he was one of, one of eight from the field. But Tht, he's really impressing me with each game, especially his defense. He's got really long arms. He gets after it. Once again, he's a hungry young player with something to prove. Uh, I don't even need to get into the Rockets stat lines. I'm just gonna talk about this one thing. Christian Wood, by the way, good player. But Steven Silas, Paul Silas's kid, that's coaching this Rockets team now. You know. This team doesn't cater to Harden's strengths at all. They have no spacing, really. They start David Nwaba. Shout out Santa Monica College alumni David Nwaba. But he's not a floor spacer. He doesn't offer anything offensively, really. He was he literally did not even shoot tonight. And, you know, when you're... And John Wall is already not a shooting... Like a guy that's a good shooting point guard. So right now, this team is not positioned around James Harden well at all. They play a, a much more... They're better in the half court defensively that I've seen. In, in years past, but they just don't score the same, and James Harden doesn't care. So this Rockets team right now, I ch when I did my preview with Nick, I chose them ninth because I just said there's going to be so much drama with this team. I don't know where to put them, but right now that's looking like where they're going to finish even with Harden because they just he doesn't want to be there. So like we don't even want to talk about him. He's just whack. Anyway, good win for the Lakers. They look like right now, as I said in my preview season preview, 
the best team in the league by some distance right now. I just don't think any team is very close. Un until I see them challenge them in a series, I think that this Laker team is far and ahead of the rest. Now, I think, does that mean that they got way better? No, it doesn't. Because I really think that they were somewhat far ahead of the rest last season too. So it's really just about what team is going to be able to match up with those Lakers. I mean, yes, you can say Miami was fully healthy close to the Lakers last year, I guess. But like, I think if you think Miami was going to win that series, you're reaching a little bit, even though, you know, I, I'm a really big fan of this Heat team. But let's move on to the Kyrie Irving situation. So it's been trending a lot today about Kyrie. By the way, to the uh, live chatters, Super Chat is on. So if you want to drop a dollar, donate money, top up to the top of the chat, feel free to do that. I've had people asking me to put Super Chats on, and I did that today. So that's there for you guys as well. Anyway, Kyrie Irving. So... He's been missing for personal reasons. At first, I thought maybe it's because of the what happened in the Capitol and that Kyrie wanted to, you know, make a statement about that or whatnot. And then we had the video surfacing late last night of him at his sister Asia's birthday. So... Guys, I'm going to try to keep it as nice as possible because I have a reputation for getting really hard on players. But, you know, Kyrie Irving, I said in the beginning of the season, he's starting to win me back over. But this is extremely irresponsible. This isn't right. You know, he's got millions of fans and millions of people that are, you know, you know, want this guy to play. The Nets had a very last season was all about let's wait till KD and Kyrie come back. And now that they're back and KD's fought really hard to come back from an Achilles injury and this is what you're going to do? Like, I don't know what's going on in Kyrie's life, but he was dancing at a party and I saw him on Twitter again today. If you guys didn't see that tweet, go check it out. He was literally in a focus, like, Zoom group tonight about, like, you know, it said it was civil rights or so, what whatnot. And great, you know, I, I love that he's, you know, standing up for a good cause and he's doing something productive because that's bigger than basketball, and his family is bigger than basketball. But once again, he is a NBA player that's getting paid millions and millions of dollars. Millions and millions. I cannot emphasize that enough. The amount of money that these motherfuckers are getting paid in today's NBA to play basketball. You already have a shortened season. This is not okay. And it's not okay at all because this team needs to develop chemistry. And each game passing by, it's just, oh, who's playing tonight? Is KD playing? Is Kyrie playing? Are neither of them playing? They're already down Spencer. This is wrong. This is totally wrong. And, you know, I'm not in a place to say, oh, screw Kyrie. What is he doing? But, you know, it is a, I'm, it's just not whatever he's doing. You know, he better have a really good reason because at least tell us what's going on or at least tell your team. At least let the fans know. I'm not a Nets fan. I don't care what Kyrie is doing. It has nothing to do with me and nothing to do with the Clippers. It has nothing to do with my team. But if I was a Nets fan, man, I'd be really just like, what is happening here? You owe the fans. You know, you guys are getting paid millions to play basketball. The fan revenue that's generated from the TV ratings and whatever are what's get paying your salaries. You deserve to tell the millions of Nets fans what is going... If you have something personal you don't want to play, you know, you cannot play, you physically cannot play basketball, then that's one thing. But what he's doing right now, partying, and that means he's going to have to quarantine. Like, that is just tough, man. Kyrie is blowing it right now. Blowing it. And, you know, he could come back and they could make it to the championship and that, that could happen. But once again, I'm always under the belief of this. Charles Barkley used to say this, but he used to say, I hate when players and teams and fans say that our team is better than your record. 
Your record is your record. And I used to think like, no, that doesn't account for injuries. But you know, the longer I've been a basketball fan, the longer I realized he's right. Because you know what the deal is, guys? If your team's record is bad because they got injured, that means that your fully healthy team hasn't had that much time to actually play together. And your record is your record because that is the form of your team throughout the season. If you're, you know, get have injuries and stuff and your record is this and that with that player, well, you haven't had that player for all your games. And that chemistry is going to carry into the playoffs. The teams that are most well, well put together as a team, not the best individuals on a piece of paper and on 2K whatever, is going to be the difference. Your record is your record, and it does resemble how good you are. It truly does. Because if you're not playing, then your team is not feeling the benefits of that in terms of chemistry. And if you think that you can come back and just play like that in the playoffs, well, it's not that easy, my friends. It's really not that easy, especially when their team is giving up the points that they're giving up. I watched their game against OKC the other day. It was pretty pathetic defensively. But I heard they bounced back in huge fashion tonight, and I didn't get to watch the game. So we're going to save that game for the next recap. So let's move on to a game that really took me by surprise the other night. I think it was yesterday. And that was two of our dime dropper teams going at it, the Phoenix Suns and the Wizards. And the Wizards didn't have Westbrook. And once again, they won without Westbrook. This is starting to become very telling, my friends. And I'm not doing it to hate Westbrook because you guys know I like him. But the way the Wizards played, multiple threats, moving the ball, not sticking with one guy, Raul Neto, you know, really, honestly, as crazy as this sounds, I'd argue he may have had a better game than Russ had in any game. Because even though the stats don't look too eye-popping, what he was doing was he was being a threat to score. He was hitting floaters. He was hitting threes. I mean, how many floaters has Russ made this season? Zero. I've watched all his games. He hasn't made any. Threes, not a great percentage. Raul Neto, on the other hand, was playing great in this game. And then Beal was doing his Beal thing where he is literally scorching right now. Like Bradley Beal cannot miss. And his step back going left is lethal. Like he is such a great, well-rounded three-level scorer. And he has a funny demeanor about him. But the Wizards were just like energized. And you know, the Suns, they've had a slight problem in certain games. Like I'd like to think Sacramento was one. And then the Clippers, uh, yeah, then they played the Clippers. They started out slightly lethargic and like slightly under, in this case, extremely underestimating their opponent because they didn't have Westbrook. But the Wizards came out firing. And the most concerning thing, if I'm a Suns fan, is that DeAndre Ayton actually made Robin Lopez look good. And we've been talking this whole season when we've been talking about the Wizards as one of our teams we're covering, that Robin Lopez has been such a liability. But they literally made him look good yesterday. Like he was finishing tough shots off pick and roll. Some not too tough. Some just like jump hooks or six foot little float shots with some nice touch around the rim but he was getting offensive rebounds over this man like he had four no he had seven offensive rebounds the majority of his rebounds were offensive he had an 11 and 11 game five of six on DeAndre Ayton a young stud like you guys made Robin Lopez look good and Rui Hachimura is just good he had 10 points he had some 10 and 9 9 rebounds of course he had some really nice sweeping hooks with the left hand really nice Denny Avdia had a solid night, but the one that, like, in the second quarter who really propelled the lead 
was Davis Bertans. He's starting to find his shot. He struggled very, He struggled a lot to start the season, but he was hitting from like four. Like he became Stephen Curry. Like I know he does that occasionally, but some of the shots were literally, oh my God, were literally such quick triggers. And God damn it. Were such quick triggers. Um, but uh, yeah. Davis Bertans played well, and the Suns, they were completely taken out of their game. So, I don't know. They 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 came back, and, you know, the first 17 minutes is what really killed the game for the Suns because the rest of the way, they actually outscored the Wizards by, like, 11 points. But that they just lost it. They completely lost because they gave the Wizards confidence. Ish Smith, he was hitting everything. I mean, they were just literally hitting everything. 52% from the field for Washington, 44% from three. The Suns gave him too much confidence, and the Suns can't come out like that. And here's the thing. Devin Booker, he needs to be either D-Book or Chris Paul. One of the two needs to be more aggressive starting out games like scoring the ball because they're just, I don't know. Right now the Suns are playing a very let-everyone-eat kind of style, and, you know, it starts out with Jay Crowder hits an open three, and then Mikhail Bridges hits an open three. Then, you know, D-Book will score two points, and then Chris Paul will score two points, and then the bench will come in. But I really think that this team needs some kind of a routine to start games in ways, whether it be that D-Book comes out aggressive and looks for his shot, or Chris Paul is a little aggressive, or they feed Aiton, something, because it just seems as though there's not enough games where any of these stars, or stars, I should say, in Aiton's case, you know, go off for like 30 or anything like that. Like D-Book hasn't had one of those games and I feel as though it's because they don't make it like an emphasis to get going early. I know it's an everybody eats system and that's most effective, but sometimes I think one of the stars needs to step up a little bit to start games in terms of in terms of scoring the basketball because the Suns were just only 15 points in the first quarter. That's never going to get it done. And yeah, so the Suns with a really bad loss. I mean, 21 points. That was pretty embarrassing. They really made the Wizards look so good. That was the Wizards' best performance of the season. But Russell Westbrook, man, this is very concerning how much better they play without him. The ball moves. Because Westbrook just wants to pass to Beal. I've noticed that. He only passes to Beal coming off screens. And it's very Beal-centric. And it's like he's the only one that can score. And that they just rely on him. I saw Denny Avdia score on someone yesterday. Because I know he can create. This kid has talent. Like, make no mistake. The Wizards have guys offensively. But they need to be utilized properly. They, the ball needs to move. And that's usually what's the case with Phoenix. But it was a whole switcheroo in this game. So good win for the Wiz. I, I don't have any concerned that the Suns will, will bounce back, but I got to talk about DeAndre Ayton and how soft he's being, man. This guy is just kind of soft. Like, I really think he's so skilled and has so much potential, but, like, there's times where he gets an offensive rebound and, like, there's a guy on him that's literally either his height or shorter, which that means you have to go up because you're seven feet with touch, and he doesn't go up. He's afraid. It's weird. It's really weird. He doesn't want to dunk. DeAndre Ayton is, is in jeopardy of being a bust with all the... And it's not because of his skill. He has a ton of skill. But he needs to, like... Dude, you're the number one pick. Like, bro, you're nice at basketball. Can somebody tell you this? Like, CP3 might just have to shake him, like, until he does it. And CP3, you know, I always say, like, he'll never let your team go down easily. And, like, he started trying a little harder and, like, being like, Hey, guys! You know, but I don't know what it is, but I feel like Chris Paul doesn't... Maybe he's not taking, like, regular season losses as personally anymore. Maybe the culture has changed around the league where the regular season has been even more diminished in terms of value and how important each game is. But, like, in that situation, if the Clippers were ever getting beaten by 20-plus when we had Chris Paul, he would, like, throw a fit in the middle of the game, like, if that was happening. He was a lot more calm 
uh, in the other, yesterday. And even though he finished with a double-double, I don't know. I thought I'd expect a little bit more. But, you know, he's at a point of his career where he's a little bit, he doesn't care as much anymore about little regular season games. The end goal and development of the team is what's important to Chris. So that's that. Uh, I don't want to talk about the Hawks too much. I know I laid into Trey Young, and he had a great game yesterday. But they also played against the 76ers team with like nine players. So I'm happy that the Hawks, you know, Trey Young was doing his thing. getting. And you can't guard the Trey Young pick and roll in, when he's getting in the paint. And he actually shot a mid-range. He actually shot a floater. So that's better. That's what I want to see from Trey Young. Balance. You know, I want to, I want to give a shout-out to Clint Capella, who I haven't actually mentioned much in my reviews of the Hawks, but he's actually had a pretty quietly good season, just doing his double-double thing, 12 points, 11 boards, he's a presence around the rim, and he's a good roller, so Clint Capella's made his impact, and you know who's a real X-factor for this team? Cam Reddish, you know, Cam has been, you know, when he plays badly, it doesn't seem like the Hawks win, and he played very solid the other night, yesterday, even though his, he was only one of four from three, but he was three of eight from the field, he had 10 points, he was plus 22, he just seemed, you know, more comfortable finding his shot, and then Trey Young, 26 points, 8 assists, 0 turnovers. That's the stat that stands out. DeAndre Hunter, 15. Everybody was doing well. Brandon Goodwin, the whole 9 yards. It was just a very easy game for the Hawks. They, they got hot in the second quarter. The Sixers couldn't guard. They were extremely shorthanded. It doesn't show me anything about the Hawks, but it's good because it breaks the losing streak and gets them back on track. They're now 5-5. Five and five. The true test, though, for me with Atlanta is going to be how Trey Young leads going forward. And when he plays against these tougher teams, how is he going to respond? Is he going to go back to chucking and putting his teammates in boxes? Or is he going to buy in and is the ball going to move? And are they going to fall too in love with the three like we talked about in so many games? So before we end, I want to just say big win for the Warriors the other night against Toronto. Steph Curry didn't have his best shooting night, but the attention that Steph Curry draws, he can he can literally go 2 of 15 and he can be he still play well. Like, his impact is so positive. Everybody gets looks. Wiggins, and Wiggins has been so good defensively, as I've stated so many times. But Draymond Green, the way he sniffed out that last play, like, talking and like, okay, we switch here. He's going baseline. Okay, I'm going to switch here. Like, just masterful. Draymond Green. Draymond Green. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. And also, he, he once again, proving my point of uh, his interview the other day, he no, people don't know basketball, you know, to understand that it's not about the stats, you have to know about basketball. And that's what we know here on Dime Driver. We know basketball, at least I'd like to think I do. So anyway, good win for the Warriors. They're completely showing everybody that Stephen Curry's supporting cast is not as underrated as people think. And yeah, so we're going to go to the live chat now on YouTube. Thanks for joining me. We finished around 24 minutes right on the dot. Make sure to tell me what you think. We'll be back tomorrow with a lot more games. Typical Wednesday night in the NBA. So stay safe, people. Peace.